Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, everybody. We are at the B&E Podcast. And, uh, you know, if this is your first time tuning in, we are enjoying a nice beer. And if this is not your first time tuning in, then you know we're drinking beer yeah. and doing our thing like yeah. we do. So um, with this podcast, if you have not read the title, what we are going to talk about is stop waiting for the right conditions to be ready. And um, we had a brief little talk before this, and I think anyone who is an artist or anyone who's thinking about doing anything in the arts or anything that pushes them personally, I mean, everybody struggles with the challenge of being good enough. You know, and, and we all wonder, everybody, if we're ready. You know, I've even heard that Meryl Streep um, talks about how uh, she was talking about how nervous she would get before, yeah. you know, doing a project. And Marlon Brando, actually, when he was going to do The Godfather, which he won an Oscar for, he was actually scared that he couldn't live up to the role. So, I mean, this not good enough and being ready, like, you're never ready. You know, you're yeah. never really ready as you think you need to be. So, I think what we're trying to encourage here from this point on, if you haven't guessed already, is just go out and do the thing you want and stop waiting to set up these conditions and get to this place. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, so that's kind of the territory we're venturing into today. And I also just want to add into it, like the part of the reason why we want to get into this conversation is just because of where we're at. Yeah. We always try, I think that it's maybe just a, a byproduct of of how we do this, but it always seems to be something that's kind of relevant to ourselves personally at the moment, stuff that we're figuring out, that we're learning, that we're coming up against, and it becomes the topic. Because right now we are, we are close to launch. Like the official launch, if you can believe it, like after 70 some odd 74 this yeah is podcast yeah. 74 and official this podcast. is not at the if you're listening to this now this is not even officially launched yet mm-hmm. <laughs> we've basically done a soft launch because um we basically had to put our podcast onto soundcloud just to have hosting and whatnot and so we've been spending the day submitting to directories we've been up for literally 24 hours uh, or I mean, we've, we've, the, the podcast has been out for 24 yeah, hours. We haven't we, been we like slept. awake. Just <laughs> like, geez, guys, yeah. take it easy. No, but we, but anyway, so it was on SoundCloud. We have not marketed it to anybody and we've already had like 25 people, you know, find us and follow us. And, and that's just the people who have followed us, let alone the people who are listening yeah. and liking our podcast. And we don't even know how they're finding us and we don't know any of these people, yeah. which is amazing to us because we're like, well, we're thinking like, hopefully a few people listen to the podcast and we finally get this thing going, you know? Yeah. We just like put it up for not even, yeah, without even advertising anything and, and people are already finding it, which is, which is really quite extraordinary and actually kind of fits in with, I think at some point, I imagine this is going to come full circle in our conversation as to why that's happening. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting that, you know, I want to say like one thing that I found is so many of these podcasts for me, and I think for yourself too, is it's just a discovery. Like we come in with a, with a certain base amount of knowledge and experience that we're trying to bring to the table. 
And then uh, uh, most often by the end of it, I have a new discovery, especially mm-hmm. like in the last bunch that we've been having. It's like, I just kind of like realize that we hit on something and then it just becomes a discussion and we open up doors that we never even really thought about before so much. Yeah. 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 You just sort of, uh, it, and it's an interesting thing when you have these realizations and you have these discoveries because again, I, I don't even necessarily know where they come from exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like somehow it's like your mind just kind of clicks some things together and you go, that seems to make sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's an interesting thing. So I think as you're tuning into this podcast, as much as we kind of have given you the title and we say what we're going to get into, it's always kind of a discovery. And, um, you know, and, and I just think it's great that anyone who's listening and joining in, like you kind of get to discover it with us. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I'd be excited for, you know, one day down the road, if, um, people have enough interest in this podcast to, you know, ask questions or want us to talk about specific topics or mm-hmm. get certain guests on or whatever. And we can kind of venture down that road because, you know, right now it's either what you and I are going through in our own lives or what our guests kind of bring to the table. And so, um, you know, I always like, I always find it's really cool when a guest comes in because, you know, as we've discussed many times before, they bring a whole new dynamic to this whole thing. Oh yeah. 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 And so it's like, I mean, one time we actually, we talked about this in the last podcast, we, we mentioned a few times, but we had an art architect on once, um, Matt, uh, Gibbs. Matt Gibbs. Yeah. And so he brought a really interesting take on art and, uh, artistry and, and how that relates to his industry. Yeah. And I think like when people think of artistry, I think a lot of the time we think of like actors and filmmakers and painters and musicians, but we don't realize that like art is, is in all sorts of things. It's in being an entrepreneur, being a business person. Uh, it's in, you know, fashion there's so, and it's in making beer, you know, it's, there's so much. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it's interesting because if you are an artist, you are a type of entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. you know, you are not necessarily, you're not necessarily working for anybody. You're kind of contracted, but you are supposed to be, you know, the expert, you are the, you know, the go-to in, in what you do. Yeah. And you sort of are the person who dictates all of it. And which is why I think this is a great topic because, you know, it's not like just like artists are, doing a business. It's like your business is you, your business is the work that you create, which is something that is deeply personal. Mm -hmm. That is, that is vulnerable and open to everyone and everything. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Which kind of gives it like just a little extra something, not to say that there aren't businesses that people put like their heart and soul into. That is completely the case. There's I think building a business in my experience is, is there's a certain artistry to it as well. I mean, like if you say, begin to be an actor, right, you're going to learn the basic things that every actor needs to learn. Like, you know, and you don't have to follow them necessarily to, but you know, find your mark, uh, you know, find the light, um, connect with this person, um, you know, memorize your lines, you know, you're going to have to learn all the basics. A business person's going to have to learn all the basics as well. But what separates one business person from another business person is the ingenuity is the creativity is, is they figure out a better way to connect with their client, a better way to deliver the system that they have or the class or the course or the product. 
Um, you know, and, and there's a creativity to that. There's a certain kind of, um, uh, it's a certain part of yourself you're putting into it. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting with business is the best business people in my experience tend to be the ones who have a lot of empathy for their client or their customer. They really get them. They, they understand what their struggle is. They understand what they need, what they're looking for. And yeah. they deliver that. And not like empathy as like a tactic. It's like, okay, and no. now I'm going to empathize, but like actually truly empathizing with someone, you know, you know, who, you know who's one of my idols is actually uh, Frank Kern. Mm, yeah, and, he's and great. We've, you know, uh, and he has a video, which we should actually link up to the, go to our blog at, um, you know, www.the B and E podcast.com spell the word and, yeah. <laughs> um, in that case. And, uh, on our blog, which will be up for this particular podcast, you can find links to everything and you can kind of interact a bit more. But anyway, um, we should put up a, uh, a link to his, um, core identity video. It's about an hour or two long. I don't know, but yeah, it's so good. And it really like, just do the exercise for yourself. If you're, if you're not a business person, just to connect with yourself, because that exercise for me was life changing. And, um, I just find him to be like such an authentic dude, you know, yeah. and he delivers great stuff, but he's just the way he does it is so authentic to me. It's just very real yeah. and down to earth, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he puts his stuff out there. Yeah. So why which we, is what we're talking which about, is what we're ta- <laughs> talking about. And, um, so let's, I want to get into this, this whole thing. The first part of this, because what we've taken on as a topic here and in our title and all of that, there's, there, there's a lot of meat there. There's a lot of things to kind of cover. I want to get into this whole thing of, um, the conditions, hmm. you know, like creating the conditions to be ready and when am I ready? And all of this kind of nonsense. Cause I have definitely fallen victim to this for years of my life, mm-hmm. like years. And it's still something that I come up against, you know, on, on occasion of just like, Oh, like being, being ready to do this or, Oh, you know what? If I, if I just had things like this and this, then, then I could do it. Right. Totally. Then I, or then I would be better at doing this. Like, and, and it can stem from, I mean, that can go into little things, big things. Like for some people it's like, Oh, if I just had, you know, for writers, it's like, if I just had a, a separate office and room that had like a window or something, then I could, then I would be a writer. I'd be in there every single day. And, and I mean, that's all wonderful. That's yeah. great. Like that's something to, to maybe try and achieve. But when, when it stops you, which I've let stuff like that stop me mm-hmm. before, when that stops you from creating, especially when you have ideas, you have things that really kind of you want to get out and you're, and you're saying no based on that. Like it's, in my opinion, it's not because of that, that you're not doing it. I think it's a much, it's a deeper issue. It's a much deeper issue than that. That's a really good, and that's personal experience. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's, that's good. Uh, you know, I think there's all sorts of, all sorts of things that can stop people from, from doing it. And it's happened to me for sure as well. Um, you know, uh, I, I think the thing is, is you gotta, you, I think the way that the model and spoiler alert for this whole thing, but I personally, at this point, I think what you need to do is you need to decide you're ready like whether you don't think you're good enough or you don't have the setup or the circumstances you need or whatever they need to be, you don't have the mentor, the coaching experience or whatever is first look at yourself as though you're ready 
And then, and then look at that and go, okay, well, I could go do this right now, but like, if there's anything stopping me, what's stopping me? And so like, for example, let's say you want to be in a band and you want to play guitar, but you've never taken a guitar lesson and you don't even own a guitar. Well, you have a couple problems to solve. Go get a guitar, yeah. you know, or borrow a guitar or whatever. Um, you know, you might have to get some materials like for us to do this podcast, we had to get a computer, we had to get a mic, we had to get a location that was quiet enough most of the time yeah. to be able to record. Except on garbage days. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so we, we did. That happened we, in, first, in our first podcast, actually. Yeah, I know, it did. Garbage yeah. truck. We've yeah. had the garbage truck come in a few times. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and that's another thing, right? Like, we could have not recorded the podcast because we were like, well, we can't record it because there's going to be too much noise, you know? And, uh, and I think we just worked with it. We were just like, well, let's deal with it. Whatever. There's a garbage truck. Okay, fine. You know, we'll laugh at it and move on. Because what are you going to do in life? I mean, you're not going to... You either, I think you either wait around and you, you keep trying to make perfect conditions or you just do the thing and you deal I th- with it. I think that you stumbled upon the word there. It was just like, it started rolling around my head there, which is, it's just, which is perfection. Like this, right. like perfect and trying to, I, that's perfectionism. I've heard it described as the refusal to move forward, mm. which I think is <laughs> totally like it's that like stabs me in a little bit (laughs) with its, with its truth, with its truthiness. I think just about everybody can relate to perfectionism. I think, um, I've heard of, well, perfectionism is, is just, you might as well call the word protection. You're trying to protect yourself from doing anything that could possibly embarrass you or make you look bad or make you actually see who you really are. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, um, perfection is illusion. None of us are perfect. Nobody's perfect. And no matter how much they look perfect, they're just hiding what's, you know, imperfect. And, um, you know, it's interesting in our culture, right? Cause if you see someone trip walking down the street, some people will laugh. And, um, that's because we've kind of been conditioned to believe that if we don't walk around like we're perfect, that there's that, that we, it's somehow bad and people laugh. It's funny because if you think about the psychology of it, you're actually laughing at yourself and, but you don't feel it. So the hurt that you're kind of doing to that other person, even though you don't feel it, that's actually what you're doing to yourself. But when it comes to your moment where you could trip, you walk a little extra careful or you protect yourself or you don't take the risk. And then what it, all it really does is because you've basically created an internal bully, you just don't take risks anymore. Mm -hmm. So the only person that actually gets hurt is you. And that's kind of the crazy thing about perfectionism. It's basically like you have a bully that's walking around and it's you, it's inside of you following you around everywhere you go. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's mean, you you know, you got to get that mean side of you like out of there and be like, no, you know what? I'm going to make mistakes and you know what? I'm going to trip and fall and I don't care, you know, because that's just because I want to, I want to do this thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, it's, it's a really, uh, this idea is, is so funny that we've gotten into this now, but this whole thing of, of perfection. And, and I don't think that we are even aware of, I think how, how big a role <clears throat> that, that plays in our lives. Like, I think it's one of those things that we don't recognize very often. Like it's just sort of an autopilot thing that's happening in the background all the time, yeah. trying to, to look a certain way, appear a certain way, 
um, and that funnels into our our work as artists and, mm. and the things that we're trying to do. And I mean, and it's something that I've I've wrestled with. And you try and find, you know, nothing I think is necessarily inherently entirely all bad. You know, like we could easily just say, oh, well, perfectionism is like, it's just, it's the devil and you need to get, get rid of it. Yeah. You could argue it's an ideal. Yeah. It's an ideal. Like you can use perfectionism as, as kind of a, a thing that that's in your life that helps you to just maybe take that extra step, go that extra mile, put that little something more into it, Mm -hmm. you know, but when it becomes a thing that's just entirely preventing you, that's paralyzing you from making any kind of movement because that's when it's at its worst. That's like, it's harshest. It becomes debilitating. Yeah. Like you're, you're sitting there with like all of these ideas with all of these creations that are just stewing in you and you just won't do it. And you'll say, it was like, well, when I get that new easel and stool, you know, then that's when I'll paint this one. Right. It's it's like paint it. And it's also, we get into this whole thing that we talk about here of of like this idea of lack, like you're never going to have another good idea again, or an at least an exciting idea to you again, which is, I mean, creativity is an, is an infinite, is an infinite ocean. Mm -hmm. So just throwing that one back out there again at you. And and the more, (laughs) the more you create, the more creativity you gain access to. It's, it's like, uh, it's not like something you can use up. It's actually something that compounds. It's like, it's like putting money in a bank that can never be withdrawn. It only actually just adds to the money in the bank. So if you create anything, even if it's little, you can never actually withdraw the creativity from you that you earned and grew. And it, what it'll always do is expand and open your potential for creativity, which I think is an amazing thing. And so it really, um, I think if artists and creative types knew that, and they really walked around with that, they would take every opportunity they have to create because you would start seeing it as like, Hey, like if theoretically, if, if I, and even a business person, theoretically, if I get paid more, by my ability to create. And the more I could create and the more creative I could be, the more money I'm worth and the more I could earn, we would literally be cashing in on creativity all the time. But it's a, it's funny because most people don't experience the even close to the potential of their creativity and, and including myself in, in many ways for my younger years, because I, I'm just not creating, you know? And, um, I remember like when I made my first film, for example, I didn't have a camera. I didn't know anything about film. I'd never been to film school. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew I wanted to make a film. And my buddy had a camera. So I basically enrolled him in the idea of coming and filming a movie with me. And it was just him and I. And then we started doing some stuff. And all my friends who were around at this summer camp we were at started being, this is really cool. So we all, and they just kind of, I started casting them as we were shooting the movie, you know? Yeah. And then the movie ended up winning first prize in this film festival. Um, but if I was like, Oh, I don't have a camera, but when I get a camera, then I'll make a movie or I don't have enough people to like act the parts or I don't even have a script. Once I have a script, then I'll do it. You know what I mean? There's just all these reasons to not do it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not saying like go and spend a million dollars on a movie where you don't have a script and any actors. I'm not (laughs) saying do that, but like 
grab your iPhone or grab some, like, it's so easy to get a, cam- a camcorder now, and then go and film something. You know, if you want to be a filmmaker, just start doing yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, we're in such an age of content yeah. these days, you know, it's like, and I think that we get, we get stuck on these ideas of what our creations have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. it's like, it's like, oh, well this, this has to be like a big, like, m- like have a huge theatrical release, or this has to have an opening at like this huge gallery or, you know, like, or this has got to be like a, a big chart topping hit that sweeps, that sweeps like the nations. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's all really wonderful. But like, if you have that pressure for everything to be on you like that, like this, just not, it's just not possible. No, it's not possible. Even the greats can't even figure that, that shit out. The ones who've done it, they cannot consistently like they'll maybe have like a run of some stuff. Like you look at someone like, you know, Christopher Nolan, yeah, you know, a guy like that who just, you know, he puts out a movie and it's generally pretty great. And he earns a lot of money for the studios but even then he's not without his critics, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. And I think if you're, you know, that's another thing. I think, um, perfectionism is a way to try to avoid having critics, but like, yes, I, I just expect we're going to have critics. I just expect somebody's going to not like us and our show. And like, uh, you know, and when I went out and uh, I've made my movies, I've had people not like me. I've had people not like me simply because I was out there doing it and they weren't, you know? Um, I remember I had a sound operator on our film once and then, um, you know, it was really interesting because he started like, he, he left our show and started tearing apart like certain people on the show, including myself. And, um, the guy who actually referred him said, you know, he's just jealous because you guys are doing what he wants to do and he's not doing it. And I was like, Oh wow. You know, like, but I think when, you know, we talked about this, the haters actually, it's another podcast. Listen to that if that's what you're worried about. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't think of it as he was really out there to hurt me. I think it was for him, you know, it's like, uh, when you feel so powerless in your life and you don't have the, and you don't feel like you have the capacity and nobody's encouraging you and whatever. And I'm not saying like, you need to wait around for someone to encourage you, but I could see how people could get very defeated and then feel, you know, like it's in your, like, here, I'll just share another example. I knew another guy who was a filmmaker, kind of a a wannabe filmmaker. And he would always talk about how this film's great and that film's shit and this person's shit and this person's good. (laughs) And like, and then the guy's never making anything, but yet he calls himself a filmmaker. And I look at that and I go, well, you don't understand. Like, and I would say to him, I would stand up to him and say, yeah, like I get that you don't really like this, but you don't know that that person's shit. Like for them, that might've been the best thing that they could do. And, and you know, there's another thing like, you know, there's budgets. There's, there's, you you know, like it'd be great if I got to work like, or this person got to work with the A-list actors, you know, it'd be great if, if they got to have the best DOP in the world and they were there, it'd be great if their parents were already in the industry. But I think if we make excuses and wait for all these things to be right, we're, we're just not going to do anything. And, and I think like, um, I do think we need to set our circumstances up as we progress. Yeah. But I don't think we need to wait for our circumstances to be right to yeah. start is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah. I'm thinking of Dov Simmons right now Yeah, from what you're saying. Cause, because, you know, he had a really, I remember taking his weekend class on filmmaking and 
he had some really great, like his whole thing had, was full of great practical advice. Yeah. But I remember one of the things he said was just like, look, your first film, like he had some good ideas as to what your first film should be. Yeah. You know, he's like, yeah, no, like you make, like you shoot like a two person, like 90 a, minutes, two person, one 90 location, minute, one location. <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, and shoot it for nothing. Yeah. Like shoot it for as low as you can possibly make it. Shoot it for like a thousand dollars if you can. Uh, and do that. Make that movie Yeah. for next to nothing. And now that becomes a film that you've done. You've had that experience and you have a calling card of sorts. Right. And then it becomes a little bit bigger, but it's not like it wasn't, you're going to go, you, this is where you've got to go immediately. Yeah. Like he really is a, has been a great force, I think for independent filmmakers, Yeah, you know, out there like that, that independent spirit. And it's really great. It's a really great thing for, for artists to take into account. It's just like make it for like whatever it is, just, just do it to the best of your ability and do it and see what happens with it. Put it out there, mm-hmm. launch it <laughs> as, as the title might insinuate. I don't know if that's going to be the title, no, but, yeah. um, but put it out there and then you just, you move to the next thing. Yeah. You move to the next thing. But if everything has to be like the, at the upper echelon of everything that's ever been done, I don't know how you are, are supposed to have any kind of freedom to, to create. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause there's like, there's the, it's all perspective. Um, from whatever perspective you're in, I'm, I'm speaking for a person in general, right? If you're, you're in a perspective, you look up at something and you think if only I was there, then everything would be great. But mm. that person looks up from their perspective at the next thing above them. And they go, if only I was there, everything would be whatever. And so like, if you look at say like an ant that looks up at say, uh, uh, say a cat, right. And they look up at the cat and they go, well, if only, if only that, like, uh, obviously an ant doesn't probably think like this, but think about it from the perspective. You go, well, then I could run around, then I could do this. Then I could, then I would be loved. Then everybody would pet me and think I was great and whatever, instead of trying to step on me with their shoe. And then you take the cat, right? And the cat doesn't think like this, but the cat goes, you know, if only I was the human or the dog, you know, if only I was the human or whatever, the dog or the whatever thing, then I would get walked every day. Then they would, they would spend time with me every day to make sure. Right. And so then like we do this as people, we go, if only I had that father, if only I had that mother, if only I had that mentor, that teacher, that blah, 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 whatever, the money, the house, the, you know, and all this stuff, like it's, it, it's all just an excuse. Yeah. And I mean, I like, I'm, I'm not arguing that people don't have advantages, but sometimes what I think people don't realize is that our advantages are sometimes our disadvantages. And actually more often than not, um, you know, uh, like for example, when I was growing up, um, my, my parents before I was born, my brothers were eight and six years older than me, but my parents didn't quite have as much money. Um, and my dad wasn't, my parents weren't in real estate. So they were kind of around a little bit more, right? So they got a little bit more personal attention from, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. My parents were, when I was growing up, my parents were kind of off and they were, you know, my mom was around quite a bit, but my dad wasn't around so much, but he was off making a lot of money. But the thing is, is 
certain kids got their dad to be able to come to all their baseball games, their soccer games, their whatever. My dad was working, but those kids didn't get the luxury of being able to ride in a yacht or a sports car or experience life on a certain, right. But I missed out on certain things of having my dad around. Mm-hmm. Now you could look at that as an advantage. And some people would be like, like kids made fun of me, you know, cause in the city we were in the town we were in, you know, like I, I was rich kid, you know what I mean? And, and I kind of got ostracized for that. And you could look at that and you could say, well, you know, he's so lucky he's got all this money. Everything's made for him. But you're assuming that I'm having the same father time, you know, that you're having. Right. And so they're getting the father time, but then they're not getting the experience of the money and the lifestyle and the whatever. So I don't really know who had the advantage and who didn't. All I know is that at this point in my life, I've become a champion of everything in my life. And I look at it as all as a gift. And I think, you know, um, I love my dad. might as well. Yeah, I might as well. I love my dad. I love my mom. I love my brothers. I love my life. And I've gotten to the point where I've accepted everything and I look at it as wonderful. Yeah. And had I been given another life, um, I would look at it as wonderful regardless, because the way I look at it is you, you know, you can, you could spend your whole life complaining about how your circumstances were not ideal. Or you could just go, well, I am where I am. I am who I am. It is what it is. And I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And that's it. And I think that's what everybody ultimately, you know, and we all start kind of in a weird way from the same place, you know, just because someone else's life looks better than ours doesn't necessarily mean it's better. Not in the way you think, because we often, I think human beings are notorious for taking for granted the things that are wonderful in their life. Yeah. 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 And looking at how the grass is, is always greener Yes, on the other side for, so, for somebody else. So that's what we're kind of summing up. Like stop trying to make the grass greener and just run <laughs> or do whatever yeah, you're going to do on the grass. Yeah. I mean, it's really like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all, it all just becomes a pointless, like it's becomes a hamster wheel type of, of thing that you just end up doing to yourself. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, you can, and I've been there. I've been there in the place of just like bemoaning my sort of lot in life and, and, and conditions and stuff, which, you know, really were not never that bad. Right. You know, yeah. like, like, yeah, no, things were not ever perfect in my life, but you know, it's like you said, like you, when you start to learn to champion that, like as being all the things that have made you who you are and sort of the material of which you are making yourself, I think as well. Uh, and you can just, you, you got to sort of start to get over yourself Yeah. to a degree. And you know, it's, and sometimes like I've had people say that to me over my life and I just like, it, it, it would make me cringe or, but now I'm, I'm learning to more so embrace that. I have a deeper understanding of, of what that all means. It's just like, well, you know, you can, it's like, yeah, it's like you can bitch and moan about everything, but all it gets you is just bitching and moaning. Right. Like it's like, that's as, that's as far as it takes you. Yeah. Like, so you can stop bitching and moaning about stuff. If you've got some ideas, then start creating with it. Right. Just start doing something, put something into motion, you know, and, and, and stop making it dependent on all kinds of external factors that really for the most part are just your own kind of bullshit yeah. in getting on with it. And I'm not saying this to be a hard ass. I'm saying you need to have some compassion for yourself, you know, like give yourself like, because you do, you do kind of have to like be a little bit nicer to yourself. Cause if you're stuck in a place of 
perfectionism and, and which is basically you're trying to just avoid any form of, of criticism, which in this day and age, you're never going to be able to avoid any form of criticism. I mean, you go on to any comments forum and any website that, yeah, <laughs> that, you know, has a good amount of community behind with it. With all the trolls. Yeah. With all the trolls. And you've got to learn to let that shit go too. Because I mean, the troll, like, as you've, you've discussed in here is the trolls. I've just learned to just have a, a just a feeling of, of compassion more so than, than being angry. I mean, I could, again, it's another thing. It's like, well, I could say, Oh, fuck you to, to these people. Like this guy's, this guy's an asshole or this person's just like, what a dickhead, right? Yeah. You can just get on that whole road, but that, all that gets you is just angry Mm -hmm. and upset, you know, at some stranger who really their only issue is that they themselves are too afraid to put them themselves out there. Right. I mean, right? yeah. that's, that's where it comes, comes down to. Right. And so like, Oh, now I just, just really feel sorry for this, for this person. And I don't have to really take on those judgmental words and comments that, that they've had to, had to make. Right. And it's hard to throw rocks when you live in a glass house. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and vulnerability is living in a glass house. Putting yourself out there is living in a glass house. You know, it's everybody can see you and they, and you know, and, uh, and so in, in the sense, like, yeah, they, they throw rocks, but the thing is, is what's funny is the only person that can break your house is you. Those rocks that they throw aren't real, even though they feel like they're real and they scare you, they aren't really real. I mean, there's destructive people who, you know, will maybe try to hurt you or destroy things that you build and stuff. But for the most part, what they're doing isn't really personal. I mean, and, and they say that and it sounds so cliche, but like, don't take things personally. The only things that I think we should really take personally are the things that we do because they're personal. Yeah. But like what someone else does, they should take personally because they did, it's them. It's, you know, um, and I was sharing this with you earlier, but I was talking with a friend, um, which I want to get him on the show, but we were talking about how the ego is when you take the self and you make it mine. You go myself. Like, like you, you claim it as though it's yours, as though it's this, like, like I have this thing and it's different than everyone else's. But like at the end of the day, if we all have selves, they are all kind of the same. They're all kind of a consciousness and we just kind of pollute them and, and, and nurture them in whatever way we do. Right. And the way we've polluted it and nurtured it is how we experience it. But it doesn't change that it's basically the same thing. And and what happens is the ego basically tries to um, make things separate. And so like we were Mm -hmm. talking about this idea of, no, I don't know. I mean, everybody can say what they want, but we're talking about the idea of like, just imagine the world is actually just one consciousness, but because we all experience reality subjectively, we all experience the consciousness as though it's different than everyone else's because we can't interpret it the same way everyone else can. Mm-hmm. But yet we're all working from the exact same thing. And so our ego is just like, you're working, you, you actually have the consciousness that's like, I have the same consciousness as you essentially, but because I'm sitting here and I'm looking from a different point of view and I've basically been doing that my whole life and you have too, that somehow we feel that we're different. 
but we're the same. But where we are different is that we've lived reality differently, but that's it. It doesn't make us different necessarily. Yeah. Right. We've had, you know, some, some minor details in the way that we've experienced life that is, that is different. And, but yeah, no, it's like usually when you get at the core of most people and the things that they value, I mean, when you really get it, get to the core of people, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's all pretty much the same thing for all of us. And the rest of it is, I think it's stuff that we, we kind of blow out of proportion. Like our egos blow out of proportion. It's like, okay, well, this is what makes me different from everybody else. And then we, and then we make it personal. We make it personal and, and (laughs) it becomes an, it becomes expressed in lots of different ways. It it becomes expressed in, um, you know, the music that we listen to, um, you know, the things, just the things that we identify ourselves by, Mm -hmm. right. You know, we just say like, well, this is, I mean, this is, oh man, we could just go on and on with this whole conversation. (laughs) This is a huge can of worms, but you know, essentially it's just like our egos are made up so much of the things that we have chosen to identify ourselves by. Right. Right. And, and they're all, and so much of it is based on external things like, Oh, well, this is how I identify myself to people in the world. This is how I show myself. It's like, and, and it comes in a, a, so many different ways, like in, in almost every way, like I said, the clothes we wear, the music we listen to, the furniture that we buy, the, mm-hmm. you know, like as if this is who we are. You know, what's really interesting. You're bringing this up. My friend was pointing out that we're not actually scared of death, like in the physical world, like we think we are. We're actually scared of our ego dying. Think about it. When you die, when you think of death, you don't actually like, there's the pain of death. There's like, you don't exist anymore, but it's you don't exist anymore. It's, it's this story that you built ceases to be anymore. And so this identity, this identity, and actually what's really interesting is, is I was thinking, I've been thinking a lot about this recently, but that would mean that if you don't have the ego, then in some ways you're not scared to die, which kind of makes you have a certain kind of courage because you look at like, you might look at death as like, well, you know what, if I, who I think I am, if one day I realize that I'm not that person and I have to let go of that story, that's okay. There's a certain kind of courage, right? Like embarrassment is when someone sees how you really are, you know, like it's like they see how you really are and you don't like that. So you try to cover it up. Someone sees that you are an imperfect, fallible human being. Right. Which is more real, right? As opposed to the way you've been presenting yourself or your ego has been presenting you, which is that you're infallible and you're perfect and whatever. Or at least you must always give, give off that appearance. Right. Yeah. And so like when you don't care about what people think of you, like when you stop worrying about that, it's ironic that like there's, there's an interesting thing that happens is like, you're going to get, you know, there's going to be some people that are very close and they're going to be judgmental. It's fine. But what what ends up happening is I think when you start being more true is people actually admire those qualities, ironically. Yeah. You know, no, absolutely. Because there, there is an, and when you get past the, your sort of your ego concept, your, uh, you know, very surface level idea of perfection, which is, you know, this idea of what perfection looks like. Yeah. Uh, and you get past that and you just begin to wear everything that you are 
like your things that you might consider being imperfections, but you learn to just wear it and accept it as part of, of who and what you are. Um, there's a, the bizarre thing is that there's like a deeper level of perfection that Mm. exists in that space. Well, you know, and it's, and it's funny because our definition of perfection is flawed, which is ironic because perfection is flawed. Like it's like, like, so like what makes Ooh. someone perfect, <laughs> a little brain teaser. I know. Isn't that weird? I like, like it. Think I like about it. it. Our perfect, our definition of perfection is flawed because perfect is actually something that isn't perfect because perfect defect is, is flawed. So yeah. like, if you think about it, like, like if, so like people would look at perfect as like, uh, the definition of perfect is basically without, um, without like flaw, without, uh, you know, look it up. It's like basically without it, it's everything is in the right place and blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. But that idea that we even know what perfection is, that we even know about everything being in the right place. I mean, maybe like you build a Lego puzzle and, and, uh, everything needs to be in the right place on a small scale like that. You could say, well, you put this together perfectly to some degree, but like, once you get into like human dynamics, social dynamics, uh, you know, all this other stuff, perfect doesn't work anymore because, you know, you'll see the, you know, you'll see the, the, the guy be like, well, you know, why can't I get the girl that I want? Or the girl being like, why, why do I only get asked out by douchebags, you know, or whatever, you know, and they, and they can't understand because they think they're doing everything right. In fact, I remember you were dealing with this challenge. You, you like, I did everything right and it didn't work out. Right. Because the problem is, is like, we're taught perfection from an imperfect model. Therefore, by not being authentic, we actually are, are making yeah. it possible to actually kind of have yeah. that natural perfection. It's, it's, it's a very, yes, it's like just a very superficial level of perfection. Yeah. Like it's all in an image and an appearance of something. Right. So it's like, you know, you could be, it doesn't matter if you were like the most, you know, like if you are just like a an amazingly like symmetrical fit human being with like perfect hair and dressed like in like fine tailored, like that can all be there. But if you are, and this is so often the case, we see this as as a massive issue in our society is that there are people who are like this, you know, they're like almost like physical embodiments of perfection, but behind closed doors, like it's just like a monstrosity of torment that's going on in these people's lives, you know, because they're striving for some kind of idea of perfection, but they feel, they feel so insecure. Like their inner world is just like coming apart. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like, so what is the perfection in any of that, like there's no perfection in, in that whatsoever. Like, and the the perfection that does exist is, is really quite, it's, it's really quite moot. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it, it doesn't really matter on, on a deeper level. You know, uh, the concept of perfection is that it can only in the, in the scheme of time and space, it can only exist for a microsecond. It can only yeah. be perfect for just a moment. And once it's perfect, you can identify the flaw or it changes 
because everything's always changing and then boom, it's imperfect. And so if you strive for perfection, you're striving and, and if perfection is happiness, you're striving for a tiny little moment of happiness and then everything else is unhappy. Yeah. Kind of because, but if you look at it as like uh, a moment of perfection is something that can happen and you make it a lot easier and you don't put so much pressure on it, then moments of perfection can happen all the time, but yeah. you don't need these moments of perfections to happen to be happy. The thing that I'm sort of having a realization about this idea of perfection is that the most moments I can truly relate to just a feeling of things being perfect mm. is kind of when I have disappeared. Ah, like your, your, your ego, your, yeah. Opinion. Like when I have been, yourself. when I have been, and this is probably why I've just been pulled to the arts in my life, but you know, it's like when I'm on stage or, you know, like I'm acting mm-hmm. and I'm just like in that space, some might call it flow state, which they're actually researching and stuff. Cause it's a real thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, others like I'm sure, uh, athletes will call it the zone, whatever it is. It's like you just slip into this space where it's like, I'm so, I'm not even self-aware mm-hmm. of what's going on. I am so present and connected to what's happening in the moment that it's just like, it's all just happening and you just feel like you're a part of it. And Mm -hmm. that's the closest I can say I've ever felt to perfection. Also with writing, I've had that happen where I'm in the middle of like, I've been, I'm so engrossed in like the scene that I am writing that I'm just like watching it unfold and just like amazed at what's going on. I'm so deeply engaged. I'm not even thinking about myself anymore. And, Oh, what is this going to look like? What is, what will people think of this? And what will people think of me? It's just Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't matter. None of that shit. Like just the world melts away. Mm -hmm. And you know, people find that in so many different ways, you know, in their lives. Like that's, that's why it's, I think everybody needs to have something like that. Some of us pursue our entire lives dedicated to, to that thing. Mm. But at the very least, I think, you need to have something that kind of does that for you. You know, it's interesting you say that because I've had that experience with writing and my experience of it is I'm writing a scene and all of a sudden the scene takes a life of its own. And I, I had it planned out kind of, but it, it starts to happen before me in a way where it's like, as though I'm watching it, but yet I'm writing it. And it's like, um, and it's like just unfolding in this magical way. And you know what? The other thing too, is I think that Um, I, you know, like Frank Kern talks about this. He's like, we're not actually looking for things or goals or like trying to get stuff. We're looking for experiences. And I think this whole striving for perfection is we think that we're trying to strive for the actual perfection, the actual materialistic uh, visual thing of it, but we're actually just striving for the experience of perfection. And if you think about it, like if you're going to go take an action, like say you want to, you've always wanted to be a musician you're going to go, you know, start playing in public or you, you, you know, you're going to make your first film or you're going to write a script or whatever. Um, y- you know, there's like, uh, there's an ex, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, uh, it's an experience. Like it, you were not going to know until you, until you do it. But if you, mm-hmm. if you look at it kind of like, if I'm sitting here, let's just say I've never made a film before and I want to make a film you're sitting here and you want to make the film. It's more risky to make the film than it is to not make the film. Because what if I make the film and it's shit? 
then I have to experience that. But if I don't do anything at all, I don't have to experience that possible pain. And I think like artists would benefit from instead of focusing on the pain they could experience, focus on the joy you could experience. Yeah. You know, and it's like, um, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've talked about dating, like just from the guy's perspective, the guy usually has to ask out the girl just usually goes that way. And, um, you know, I've, I've had guys ask me like, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you go and just approach somebody and whatever? And the way I look at it is like, well, I could focus on the fact that she could say no, or I could focus on the possibility she might say yes. And the thing is, is, you know, if you look at it, I mean, I could talk to, you know, a whole bunch of people, but if that you get that moment where you get what you want, that experience makes everything else worth it because what does it, what does it matter? You know? And so, um, in a sense, when you're focused on the positive outcome, that's kind of the perfection because, you know, whether you get the positive outcome or not, your experience leading up to it, it hasn't happened yet. Right? Like say I'm just, let's just give an example. Let's say uh, I'm at a library, right? And I'm, I'm looking at books and I see someone down the, down the aisle, they're looking at books. And I think, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really attracted to that person. I like to talk to them. So I could sit there and read my book and not say anything, or I could walk over and maybe approach them and maybe try something in the time where I'm thinking about that and walking over to them. And before I've even said a word to them, nothing has actually happened as far as my interaction with them. So, um, really I'm, I'm winning in the experience for the whole way there. The moment where I actually ask them or talk to them or approach them, um, if I'm anticipating the possibility that this is someone might connect with me and that I can actually, I might get to know this person, I have, that's all a good experience all the way up to them. If I'm walking up to them and, and planning, Oh no, they're going to say no to me. They're going to reject me. The whole time I'm walking up to them, my experience is going to be negative, right? Yeah. So what people don't realize is that the way you do something is actually more important than what you do. You know? Yeah. Like if you go to make a movie, yeah, like when people, sometimes when people make, I, I've worked with a lot of people who make their first script and their first movie. Sometimes people will make their first movie and they're just like, I'm just making my first movie. It's going to be shit. I don't really care, but I'm going to have fun. And they have the best time. But some people, and usually it's when it's like their second film, they're like, oh man, like what if it's no good? Like they're going to have totally different experiences of making their film. Yeah. And that's what matters because the film at the end of the day, yeah, it gets shown at the festival and then, or whatever, or to your parents or something. And it's like, that part's like small in comparison to the whole experience of the creation of it, you know? So yeah. any, anyway, I want to kind of relate this back to our circumstances. Our circumstances don't necessarily determine our experience and, and our experience, I think sometimes informs a lot more of our results. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I also, this reminds me of, um, something that was written in, uh, one of Dan Millman's books. Yeah. He said, our, our lives are not so much, uh, are not so much shaped by, by our experiences as they are by our expectations. Hmm. That's really good. I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, yeah. that's what I, <laughs> I was. Yeah. That guy's so smart, man. He's got, yeah, he's, he's got some great he's got stuff. So man. much good stuff. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's when you have it, it really is. I mean, I don't know if this is completely off topic now, but, um, but yeah, our expectations can really, um, can really play havoc on us. And I think it's all still, it is all tied into this idea of, you know, we might have to put per perfect in the title now. 
<laughs> you might have to like perfect kind of... conditions, you know, this whole yeah. fallacy of perfect conditions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it, it is, I mean, it's interesting, right? Like I don't think we, we need to strive for perfection. I do think though that people would benefit from striving for excellence. Yes. Do your best. I mean, like if you, you know, if you leave your house and you dress well and you take care of yourself and you, you know, um, you, you educate yourself and you, and you put practice in and time in and discipline and stuff like that. Um, you are preparing for success. You're preparing for the possibility of excellence. Yeah. If you leave your house in like jogging pants, you know, you don't do your hair, you don't brush your teeth and all this other stuff, you're not preparing yourself for excellence. And, um, I think the thing is, is that we, we're never going to be perfect, but it, it would, it would benefit us all to look at our life as trying to experience and, and, and just be excellent, you know? Um, cause I think just because perfection doesn't exist, it doesn't, it's not a bad thing to strive for. And that's been one of my big lessons over the year is don't try to be perfect. Just uphold the value of being excellent. And I'm not always excellent, but, yeah. but, but the striving to be yes. has raised my game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the goal to do that. And I mean, if you, and on the flip side, if you find yourself in a position where you are doing something in your life, you're committing a lot of time to some sort of an endeavor and you don't really give a shit. You just like, you have no desire to push yourself to excellence. Well, that's a good indication. It's not necessarily the thing to be doing. Do something else. right? Right. Uh, you know, I always see that like in relationships when people are kind of just hanging out with each other and they don't mm -hmm. care. And I always think like, I always think like, (laughs) that looks miserable. (laughs) It looks terrible. I mean, it's like, like if you're going to be in that relationship, why not make it excellent? I just like, it, it just does not compute with me. You know what I mean? Like I just look at, it, I go, if it's not going to be excellent, why, why, why like, like why absorb yourself into that? Right. And I think like the thing is, is we tell ourselves, and this goes back to other podcasts we talked about. We tell ourselves so much that we're not good enough, that we can't have what we want. And we build this bullshit story about how like, we just are so far away from things. And instead of like going out and finding out, we just accept the bullshit story without ever trying it. And I mean, I remember like my second girlfriend, she was, um, I mean, I, she was my dream girl growing up. You know what I mean? Like I, and I, she was older than me and I just like, was like, um, just stood in awe of her I just constantly. Stood, literally <laughs> like for years I was just in awe. And then I remember, um, you know, she, she ended up, she ended up actually approaching me and then we ended up dating. And I remember telling her, I was like, I just, I can't believe, like, I just can't believe we're going out. And she's like, and she was like, league, like a league is, is totally bullshit, you know? And I, and it, it, it rocked my world in a way because I always looked at myself as like, like, why? Like, like she, to me was like on this pedestal. She's just amazing. And I'm just this lowly guy who's like, you yeah. know, whatever. It's like, she was this girl who's like supposed to be like dating some like prince. Yes. From like Monaco. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and, like, <on> your- <laughs> yeah. And so like, what, what, you know, she gave me a certain gift where she helped me to see that I had maybe more value than I recognized. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was a real gift. And, uh, 
I think that's the thing is that, you know, people, people have these wonderful, wonderful things about them and they don't ever put themselves out there enough for the world to even give them that validation. You know what I mean? To give them that, that connection, you know what I mean? Cause there's people out there who will, um, I, I don't know. And it's like myself included, like I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever. And then you don't realize that like you have that belief about yourself, but you have this unbelievable kindness or this unbelievable, like amazing sense of empathy. And, and your creativity is like, is, is through the roof compared to other people. And, and there's these qualities that if you just owned, yeah. you know, and like, we don't all have to be the best at everything either. Like, you know, um, Jim Ron, he was talking about how he's like, look, he's like, don't ever make me your coach for everything. He's like, I can maybe help you with like four or five things really well, but he's like everything else. Like I have a coach for, he's like, I'm not the best at that. Yeah. And, and this guy's like someone who's super successful and whatever, but you know, I think he just owns what he's really good at, which is like leadership and, and team building and, and maybe like sales and marketing and stuff like that. And then otherwise he's like, okay, but in these areas, you know, and, and, and I think that's where it kind of comes from. You kind of find something that you kind of bring to the table and you really love, like he loves leadership from what I understand about him. Yeah. And so he goes out and he really puts a lot of passion and time into that and he does it, you know, and then, um, it doesn't become so much about him, like being not good enough. He's like, like, and I think what happened was, you know, from, and like a lot of people, he just really worked at that and thought about it a lot and put a lot of effort into it. And then that kind of became a bit more of like what he brings to the table. Mm -hmm. And then he, you know, meets up with someone else and they bring something else to the table and together, you know, they have a team. And so when I think about a relationship, like a romantic one or a partnership or anything, I think you partner with someone who else brings something to the table that you don't necessarily bring. And then together you're better. Yeah. But not good enough and all that other stuff. It's like, you don't have to be the best at everything. You don't even have to be good at anything. Really? You don't. Like if we, if modern society has shown us anything, <laughs> yeah, you, really don't. you, you know? don't need to be good at shit. No, it's not even about that. I mean, I don't want, I don't want to kind of communicate that point, but what I'm saying is like, I, I think if you love something and you're truly passionate and excited about it, kind of what you mentioned before, I think a lot of the wanting to be excellent will take care of itself. Yeah. And if you don't want to do something, then stop doing it and, and put your time into something else. Well, yeah. It comes down to what you care about. Yeah. You know, what like you some people about. are excellent at watching TV. <laughs> they just love it, you know? But the thing is, is they might not even be realizing that they're actually building a lot of skills around understanding television content and stuff like that. Like, like, you know, there is no wasted time. Like, I really just don't believe that. Right. Like, um, if you spend all your time doing some activity, which is apparently not very good, um, well, you've become probably pretty good at it. Even if society doesn't look at that as a great quality, I, I can pretty much guarantee that there's something good you can extract from that. Yeah. That will help you in some of their, yeah. There's almost something there. There is almost always some sort of like a, a little golden piece of wisdom within anything. Yeah. Within anything. If you're looking for it. Totally. Um, well, you know, like I, I have a friend who, um, he, you know, he, when he was younger, like I used to play like, I, I don't know. I used to play a lot of video games. He used to party a lot. And so he looks at, he goes, I wasted my time partying, doing all this stuff. I'm like, dude, you were one of the funniest, most social people that I know. Like you, it's amazing what you, the way you interact with people, but he doesn't see that at all. He just looks at the negative of I partied my life away. 
And it's like, no, dude, you built skills, man. You were talking to people, connecting to people, figuring out how to tell jokes, figuring out how to connect with, with women, with guys. Like I, you know, like th- those were skills that I had to like learn later. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, but you just like, and you just do it so naturally, but yet that's the thing about people. We take these great things that we do. We take them for granted. And then we, we, yeah. t- I don't know if it's society that teaches it, but we focus on the thing we don't do well. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And then we don't think about how we can take these things that we're good at and, and inclined for. Right. And find ways that we can do that yeah. in the world in a way that is productive and creative and fulfilling for ourselves. Right. Right. Cause yeah, typically the things that we are good at are things that we care about. Like that's, that, that just seems to be one of those things that is a, is a universal law. Yeah. It almost seems. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 I and who knows like who's going to care about what, but you know, the other thing too is, um, you know, when I was younger, I, I really liked playing video games. That was something I was really interested in. I mean, I'm still interested in it a bit, but, but you know, my, my dad used to always like be like, that's such a waste of time. But you know what? I don't look at it as a waste of time because now I'm a screenwriter and a filmmaker. And a lot of that stuff that I got from video games has taught me how to write better sci-fi and has taught me how to like yeah. create stories. And I got involved in these characters lives. And, and, you know, um, even I remember, uh, like playing, uh, FIFA, you know, FIFA 15, 14, whatever, all those, you know, and, um, playing them. And I became a better soccer player because I was breaking down how the game worked from like an overcasting <laughs> view. And, and like, the thing is, is like, we don't realize that these things that seem like they're a waste of time are actually giving us a lot of value, you know? And so like, I don't know, like, like, I think it all depends on our engagement with it. Yeah. That's I think probably that's, true. that's, yeah. I, I talk about that a lot, but I wasn't it's, going it's... into video games to be a better person. Yeah. <laughs> I was just doing it cause they were fun. Yeah. You yeah. know, but yet I, I do think they helped me out in a certain way with creativity and like expression. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's been shown, there's been many studies that have shown the benefits of like playing video games, like right. problem solving and reflexes and all sorts of stuff are come into play with it. It's, it's yeah. a more, it is actually a more like engaging thing to do than watching television. Hmm. Like it does demand more of you as like, you're not just a simple observer of what's going on. You're a participant in what's going on. Right. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell me about this beer? Well, okay. I, you know, it's from Callister Brewing, which is one of my faves in the city right now. Yeah. Um, I just a big fan of theirs and it's an ale. Um, do you remember the name? (laughs) (laughs) It was, um, it was, uh, something like hops, hops, ale. It was like a hopped ale. It had a, it had a name, but I, um, hop mind. mind. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Hop mind. It's good. Hop mind. Yeah, it is really good. 6% alcohol tasty beer. Um, was in such a rush today to grab the beer. I kind of went in there and they gave me a bunch to try. And I kind of, um, I was like, yeah, that one tastes good. Let's have that. And I just like, I knew it was an ale. I just didn't remember the name, but I always like their beers. I don't know. Like they're one of those breweries where they have consistently really good stuff. Yeah. No, everything that, uh, cause you're usually the one who goes over to Callister. Yeah. And, um, this was good. I had my first sip of it like just right before we started recording and I was like, yep. Yeah. You liked it. That'll do. 
<laughs> that will so. definitely do. <laughs> so um, with these uh, so circumstances, I think the thing is, we really touched on a lot of stuff like being perfect and setting up this, the perfect circumstance is not like realistic. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Our circumstance. And we also, we're talking about like sort of launching, I mean, launch sort of just for ourselves launching a podcast, but right. in terms of your work, like basically, you know, instead of launch, putting your work out there, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, the circumstances that we have around that, the conditions that we put around that and, and how that they just negatively impact us as, as artists. They do, you know, like, I mean, when we started this podcast, I would have liked to, you know, I would have loved to have, you know, a better mic systems, uh, to have a totally soundproofed room to have, like, there's so many things that I would have loved to have had. Um, but you know, just if we waited for that, um, you know, we'd probably still be waiting. I mean, yeah. probably, you know, and, and if we even made that happen, it, you know, we would have lost so much time, so much content that we've created. And I looked also like where I was at when we started the podcast. And I'm like, personally, I feel like I've grown a lot and evolved a lot and I've gained a lot more confidence and, you know, um, but I also think like the podcast helped me a lot to grow that way. And so I think there's, you know, um, it sounds silly, but like with a podcast, the, what I'm kind of finding is a bit of a coming of age process. You know, it's kind of like we're becoming better communicators and better at this. And, and we're 74 episodes in, and I was saying this before the podcast, like imagine where we'll be in the next 74, Yeah. you know, like, like we'll have grown so much because every one of these, we, we, we build on the ideas we set before, you know? And I mean, like what, what could we have done? We could have like, kept having conversations, but like, it's different. Once you put the mic in front of you and you start saying, Hey, let's talk about a topic. The game changes a little. It's different than being in the, in the craft brewery, sitting there with your beer and just having a talk. Now all of a sudden you have the sense that, Hey, there's an audience listening to me and they could be judging me and they could be thinking about the things I don't like about myself. Or maybe they don't like things about me that I don't even know people don't like about me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all of a sudden those things become relevant. But when we're in the cafe and it's just you and I talking and, and you kind of forget the sense that anyone even could be listening to you, you're not thinking about yourself. So in part of my coming of age process with this was that I basically have gotten to the point where I stopped thinking about myself while we're doing the podcast. But I remember the first few, I was really thinking about myself quite a bit. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't think they're... I personally am happy with the way they worked out, but like, I'm really happy with who I've become out of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's what we need to do as artists. We need to stop thinking about ourselves. And you said this earlier, once you stop thinking about yourself, it is kind of perfection. Yeah. Yeah. And you just start to, to be, yes. I think on a, on a, on a much grander level. And, and there is, there's just so much more freedom when you like the last thing that I remember working on, I was writing something and, and it was one of the most joyful writing experiences I had had because I'm normally like with writing, especially I have that like inner critic going like pretty fierce, especially for the first, the first like 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. Uh, and just like, as I'm getting like, as I'm working into it and yeah. building into it, it's like, it's, it can just be grueling, but I got into it and I found that I'd just been setting aside that, 
that sort of editor that was in there, that, that person that was judging what I was, what I was writing instead just going to like, well, I'm just going to write the ideas down. Like, I'm just going to write, I'm just going to get this out. I'm just going to put it, put it there and whatever. Like it's, it, it will be what it is. And man, it was just unbelievable. It just yeah. felt, it just felt so great. Good for it you. felt absolutely wonderful. And it's not, and it's not even as, as bad as my, you know, my ego might've been telling me that, <laughs> that it was going to be, but I was able to just kind of shut it off and, and just let it fly and not have to put so much onto it, mm-hmm. which it, makes it, which just makes it so impossible. It just makes it so impossible. Like I, I, like it still frustrates me to this day that I, I still deal with it knowing the the absolute stupidity and nonsense of all of this shit that we're talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just like this, this stuff about perfection and conditions and whatever. Like I'm like, I, I st- like when I'm still coming up against that stuff, I'm like, why? You know, I have, why? I, I have a tool for that because like, you know, I've written for so long now. Like, yeah. I've worked through this one, but all you got to ask yourself is one question. What am I trying to protect? Cause that's all your, your ego is trying to do. It's just trying to protect something. And once you don't care whether that thing comes out and, and once you don't feel that it's at danger anymore, writer's block goes away. Yeah. So like for me, I used to think, Oh, well I'm going to write shit. So I'm trying to protect myself from writing shit. So that was one of them. So then I, I remember there was a day where I was like, I'm going to write shit. I'm just going to write it. Let's just see how much shit I can write. And I was like, what? It's like, I couldn't write shit. It was like, I couldn't because once it became like, okay, it was like almost impossible to do. Right. So like in a weird way, like, it's like, you got to go, you got to lean into it. You got to like lean into the thing you're scared of because it, it's like, it's like a bully, right? It's like, you know, a bully in high school is like, try and intimidate you or something. Cause you, you know, you're maybe the weaker kid, smaller kid. The moment you start standing up to that person, you start saying, no, you start like, you know, you know, that person, they, you're not the easiest target anymore. Mm-hmm. And once you're not the easiest target, the bully backs down and your uh, sense of perfectionism thing that, you know, that thing that's kind of bullying you, it, it'll back down, you know? And like, uh, also when you're not scared to reveal the thing that you think about yourself, or the, 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 you don't even want to see it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yes. When you let those things sort of like lurk in the shadows is when like they, they become the worst when you can bring them out. Yeah. And they become, you realize how how sort of, uh, absurd they really all are. Yeah. Um, I have an exercise. It's called the beast. I call it the beast. Um, where I write the beast. I used to do this. I don't have to do it anymore, but I used to do it where I write out, I write for about 15 minutes and I just write down all the thoughts in my head about why I would write shitty. And you know, the Mm. first few times I did it, I could fill the pages, but after I think it was like a week or two weeks or 15 days, I feel like it was 15 days. I, I'm like, I'm tired of writing out this stupid beast. I'm just tired of it. I'm just, I don't want to do it anymore. And it was like done. It was like, cause once it was out there and I kept finding like every day, once it was out there, like on the page, I wasn't scared of it anymore. Cause I could see it. It's like, you, you, you're right. Like when you, when the monster's in the closet and you can't see it and you don't know what it looks like, it's scary. But the moment you bring it out and you find it's this like little tweep, like, like little, little yeah. wimp, you're like, 
what? I'm scared of that. Like you're like, I've been listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And you know, like when it's in your, when it's in the darkness, it has this like dark growly, like, it's like, you're, you're an idiot. You're dumb. You know, you can't, you know, it's just the worst shit, the most vile crap you say about yourself. But then when you yeah. pull it out into light, it's like, you can't do this. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like the whole, yeah. like the wizard of Oz thing. You totally. Know, you pull the curtain. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think that has to do with the circumstances thing. Like circumstances are, you know, you got to just start doing it because that's what sets up the right circumstances. I think by waiting around for the right circumstances, you don't make any progress. And so the circumstances never change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, we talked about a lot of stuff. Can we sum some yep. stuff up? What do you think? Can we sum some stuff up? I'm we sure. talked about the ego. We talked about setting up the environment and we've talked Talk about, about perfectionism yeah. and, you know, results, uh, everything having to be like something like amazing and huge and make the, like just the most incredible global impact. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know what, you know what I think that I'm kind of getting out of this conversation is if you believe something will be good and you want to do it, I think you, you owe it to yourself to go do it. I think that's it. Because if you really like, like if you like are into it and you're interested in it and you feel it's important, you'll probably try to be good at it. You'll probably try to find excellence. If you're doing something that you don't believe in and you don't even think is good and you know, you're probably not going to strive for the excellence part of it. So probably don't do it. But I think if it's something that you really want to do, I think you got to go and, and excellence comes. But if you strive for perfection, you're shooting yourself in the foot before you even begin. And then I would say that just don't make excuses to not start because your circumstances currently are not the way you want them. Like just figure out what you need. You know, if you want to start a podcast, for example, get a computer and a mic, basically the two tools you need. Yeah. And you, you probably com- already have a computer. Yeah. And you got a computer, which was amazing, right? Like your, your computer was like a hundred something dollars or something like, Oh yeah. It was just like a, a like, like one of those Chromebooks. I got like a $250 Chromebook and yeah. And there's yeah. computers you can get for like, and you can get used computers and like, you, you, you know, and you can get used mics and you can get everything and you can go, there's this one site, which I I've said before called wish or oh, whatever yeah, yeah. and, or, and geek or whatever. And you can go there and you can get stuff that's like 95% off. And it's like, you could just get the stuff you need, you know? So yeah. stuff is not the hard part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, yeah. yeah, it's really, it's not the stuff that's the hard part. It's not the stuff that is really the deciding factor in all of it. I think mm-hmm. that that's the big thing that we're really getting to in all of it. It's like, it's not the conditions. It's not the stuff. It's you. Yeah. And what you are allowing to stop you from, from creating. Mm-hmm. And that all has to do with, you know, the, the voice in your head, the, the thing that's telling you you're not enough. Like we, we put it on other things cause it's more comfortable to do that. I think, you know, it's more comfortable to say, it's like, Oh, well I don't have this and I don't have that yet. And this isn't set up. And you know, I, I don't have the, the, the time. And if I do it, I really want to, you know, that's another one of the big ones that people say, it's just like, it's like, well, if I'm going to do it, like I want to make sure I do it right. And it's just like, well, you know, now we're going down that whole lane of, of like, right. And doing like, what is right, especially in art. Like that's like maybe in certain technical fields, like, yeah, I mean, you know, you want to do the job right. You know, you, you measure twice, you cut once (laughs) type of thing. But 
art is a little bit of a different, different kind of thing. You're working in a different territory and write is a completely subjective thing. You don't have actual mathematical limitations that are being placed on you. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with, you know, human thought and emotion and experience. And that doesn't work in necessarily in right and wrong. Mm -hmm. It works in consider this. Yeah, I guess. And, um, so you just need to move, you just need to, to move into it. Like it's, you know, the, all of you'll, you'll never end up getting anything done if you're waiting for the conditions all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. cause you'll never, you will never ever find the conditions that are optimal, that are ideal for you to do the work and then to put the work out there. Yeah. So yeah, it comes down to you and, and it, you know, it might bring up, you know, a lot of fears and a lot of things for you, but you know, when you start to bring them out to the light, as we've been saying here, is like, you're, you'll realize that there wasn't actually all that much there to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I'm going to wrap, uh, wrap it up with, I want to refer a podcast we did earlier. Okay. If, if people have come to this point in this podcast and they still don't feel like they've got the answers, it's, um, process over progress. It's something like that in the oh, title. Okay. I, yeah, I don't yeah. remember which number it is but just look for process over progress. And it's probably around, it's probably between like 30 and 50, I think like of the podcast. We'll, uh, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll try out. and find that. Yeah. Um, so just go to our blog and you'll, you'll see. Um, but anyway, I think that's the thing is like, it's gotta be process over progress and it's gotta be growth over goals. I think those are the, you know, and I think we had actually one of our podcasts recently was about that kind of growth over goals. Yeah. And, um, I think that's what it's really gotta be because you gotta look at it as like, um, you know, if you don't feel good enough, you, you don't sit around and complain about how you're not good enough or tell yourself that story. You just go like, well, okay, well, what do I need to do to get better? Because it's just time. You just got to put some time and effort in and you will be good enough at whatever you want. Yeah. And so, um, if you keep making it about getting the thing and getting the goal or getting the result or, you know, making progress, your life's going to suck. I mean, it's just like, like don't live that way, live in process and live in growth. And you know, keep a measurability, like look at your progress. Like, you know, okay. We kind of do this. We check in a little bit. We will, we'll be like, yeah, 74 podcasts. That's the progress we've made. Um, but I, I haven't been focused on getting to this many podcasts. I've been focused on the process of doing really good podcasts. I think if I was trying to get a number done, I don't think the podcast would be as good. Um, you know, and if you don't like them, then they would have been worse. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, anyway, the point is, 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 so what I would say is start, you're ready. If you love it and you believe in it, start, um, you'll get better. And you know what you, you, you will get feedback from the world. Don't take it personally, just use it to improve and then move on. And I think, um, your circumstances, whatever they are, they are probably helping you more than you give them credit for. Yeah. They all become fuel for your work. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we got. Well, well, anything else to say? Nope. There it is, man. There it is. (laughs) 
That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.